great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Welcome to the Man Cave Chronicles. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles podcast a podcast of pop culture and more, where I believe everyone has a story. I am your host, Elias. And just a reminder, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at the MCC Podcast, as well on Facebook, just by searching the Main Cave Chronicles podcast. Whatever podcast up you are tuning in from, I would like to thank you for listening. And please subscribe and keep yourself updated on all the exciting content that will be coming out in 2019. This week's guest, you have seen him on Netflix, The Degenerates. He's had two specials that premiered on Showtime, Fun Size, and Daddy Issues, and is the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, About Last Night, with his partner Adam Ray, comedian Brad Williams. Enjoy this week's episode. It was a blast talking to him. Brad, welcome to the cave. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, and uh, it's kind of ironic because I'm uh, doing this interview while in my own man cave. (laughs) There you go. Uh, (laughs) So how are things with you, man? What's going on? Uh, well, since the uh, Netflix special, The Degenerates, came out, life's been pretty darn good. We've been uh, selling out some shows, and uh, right now we're getting ready for the holidays. I got about uh, three days left before it's unsafe for dwarves to go to a mall, uh, so I'm going to enjoy the freedom. At, after that, it gets to be Christmas season, and, and that's when my people stay away. <laughs> so, so as the listeners, I'm going to tell them, you know, you're you're huge stand-up comedian you're one of my favorites i've seen all your specials you've been a busy person throughout last few years man yeah uh yeah well it the thing is is like uh you you, everyone writes me like every week i get letters from people just saying like hey when you come into my town or whatever and i've got to go like i have to just keep going there's only so many places I can go, but uh, I'm 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 just trying to keep going, and uh, I like touring. I like I I like seeing new cities and performing for people. I've been to all 50 states and uh, 13 countries. So when you have that on your resume, you gotta just you gotta just keep going. And uh, and all and also the main thing is no one pays you to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, I just got out of yeah. work. I just got out of work myself, so I know all about it. Yeah, and, and and unless I unless I somehow get mesothelioma and I could uh, have one of those lawyers get me a bunch of money, that's about it. Uh, you know, so otherwise I got to get out there and work. So yeah. that so that's what I'm doing. All right. So so we're gonna talk about your career, but at first I want the listeners to know a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? I'm I'm originally from Orange County, California. Uh, I'm. I am the black sheep of a leave it to beaver family where it's like mom, dad, sister, dog, uh, dad, dad was a lawyer. Mom was a housewife. Sister was a straight A student. And then comes the dwarf funny baby. And that's me. (laughs) So, uh, so how was it growing up there? It's like typical quiet. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know if it was quiet, but uh, it was definitely it, it was definitely a good time. Uh, and my like, and, and people have to understand that um, my whole family are not are not little people. It's not there. There's 
I'm the only one. I, I'm the only dwarf in my family. We don't all come from the same tribe or, you know, you <laughs> shake a mushroom and we all fall out of it. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 so growing up being the only dwarf in the family and really the only dwarf in the neighborhood, that that, that part was kind of interesting because I had to sort of fend for myself. And that's sort of where I got my comedic wit because uh, I that was my defense mechanism is that I would make as I would tell jokes. So as a kid, well, what were you into? Hockey, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I, I I played all the sports, man. Um, much to the chagrin of my mother who thought that, I, I don't know, if a, if a dwarf gets hit in some sort of sport, then we burst into Skittles or something. That's what she thought. <laughs> but uh, that that wasn't the case. I, I played hockey uh, all throughout my childhood, and uh, n- n- there's nothing that is like the shame on an opponent's dad's face when, when he saw his son, his pride and joy get burned by someone half his size. It's pretty, it's pretty joyful. I'm pretty sure I caused i uh, I'm pretty sure I caused a few divorces. <laughs> what, uh, what position did you play? I was a defenseman, which okay. means, uh, uh, you know, I was just the last line of defense before the goalie. And which means I was pretty much the most physical, but, no, no one ever hit me. That's the thing. I, I hit people. No one ever hit me. I think they just didn't want to be the guy that, like, you know, crippled the short dude. I, like, I, they, they, they just didn't want to be that guy. Like, one guy hit me one time, and the, and everyone in the stands kind of freaked out. And then we sent our biggest guy to essentially take him out. And uh, no one really hit me after that. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you know when you were a kid, you didn't want to be. You treat it differently. You just wanted to go out and have fun. Yeah, and that's what uh, people that don't have disabilities don't really understand about people that have that have a disability is we really don't want to be treated differently. Like, like you crack on your friends for whatever reason. We also want you to crack on us as long as the jokes are funny. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it, it's a thing where we're just trying to live our normal life, and and if there's any sort of uh, special treatment or whatever we get kind of weirded out by it and like and people like oh but you you guys need help no and there's a i was on a tv show yesterday that had three blind guys on it uh these three blind guys one is the first blind uh, division one football player he's a long snapper for usc one is a blind guy who has climbed all seven summits wow uh the seven the seven summits of the earth and the other does does triathlons, and I'm like, okay, so they're 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 making everyone feel really crappy about their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and I I did hear the story about the long snapper. I think there was like a video on one of those quick ESPN things online about him. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He grew up watching USC, and then he he he, he he's pretty buff, and uh, now he's a long snapper, and he he gets kind of walked out there by another player. And then he just snaps like that's all he does. Like, yeah. and it, 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 it's pretty great that someone could be a blind football player and, and still make the team. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, when did you first realize that you had the power of making people laugh? Uh, first grade, um, when I got sent to the principal's office on the first day of school, because a kid walked up to me and said, "Ha ha, you're little," and I said, "Ha ha, your mom doesn't live with your dad anymore." <laughs> uh, I I got hit with you know, and then I got sent to the principal's office because I had the better joke. Um, 
but that was pretty much just ingrained in me by my dad. My dad knew that I would be made fun of. He had a very realistic attitude about my dwarfism. So he knew I, he knew I'd be made fun of. So what he tried to do is make fun of me first and then teach me comebacks. I remember he bought me a book called uh, Garfield's Insults, Put-Downs, and Slam. And it was just all these, like, cheesy, I know what you are, but what am I, like, kind of comebacks and jokes. But in the second grade, that's killer. Like, that's great material. So I would use that and kind of – and kids knew – right away like oh don't mess with brad like every now and then there would be a there there'd be a new kid in, in the school who would think that he could make fun of me and then he, he, they learn real quick that's not the case <laughs> so while you were growing up how did you uh so how did you like decide one day you wanted to try stand-up comedy uh it was a day it was father's day uh 2003 i want to say um, Father's Day 2003 and I was in the audience of a stand-up comedy show I was 19 years old and uh, I, was there, I was there with my dad and the comedian on stage started making midget jokes and half the audience was laughing and the, and the half that was sitting by me that w- was just like no 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 like they were not they were not laughing and the comedian looked over to the side of the audience and was like literally this side of the audience is not laughing and he goes what is one of them here and I raised my creepy little hand in the air, and I was like, what's up? And uh, the comedian called me up on stage, and uh, he didn't he, – he asked me questions, and I immediately started um, answering, And but my answers got laughs. I wasn't trying to make jokes, but I was just being honest, but my answers got laughs. Like you said, what do you do for a living? At the time, I was working at Disneyland, and I heard some snickers from the audience. I turned to them and went – fuck you, I was not one of the seven. <laughs> and, like, that got a good laugh, and then I told them what my actual job was, which my actual job was I was a bodyguard for the characters. Okay. That was my actual job. So I'd walk around with Mickey, Minnie, and Donald, and every now a five-year-old steps out of line, I gotta give him a forearm shiver, be like, what's up, bitch? <laughs> uh, so, that, that was my job, and I did that, and I got laughs from the audience, and it was literally that feeling when I was like, oh, that's cool i want to do that so i started uh i I started i became obsessed with stand-up after that and this is before youtube so i'm just buying every stand-up dvd that i can uh buying every stand-up cd to listen to as i drive and just uh and, and just becoming fully engulfed in it and then i started writing my own jokes uh and i finally did an open mic night and when i did my first open mic night that was it man that was it. It was done. It was, uh, I did, I did, I did pretty well for, for, you know, for being your first time ever up on stage. Uh, and I, and I was like, great, I'm in this, this is what, this is what I'm doing for a living. So, uh, go ahead. No. Yeah. So I did that for about two years, just doing open mic nights. And then I dropped out of college, but no, two years, no, one year. Yeah. One year. Crap. Yeah, I, I did it for one year, and then uh, I dropped out of college with a year to go. I was majoring in communications, hoping to be a, a sports announcer. And uh, so when people say, like, you dropped out of college, like, what were you studying? I was like, I was majoring in communications. We didn't lose a cancer cure, yeah. so we're <laughs> fine. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, did that and started doing stand-up full-time when I was, when I was about 21. Yeah. 
who were some of your influences in the comedy world? You said you were buying tapes and watching specials. Yeah. Uh, Ro- uh, Robin Williams, Live at the Met. Uh, Christopher Titus, Norman Rockwell is Bleeding. Uh, Carlos Mencia, John Caparulo. Uh, yeah, just kind of, kind of like a lot of like sort of the blue collar at, uh, attitude and, uh, a lot of guys that weren't afraid to get into serious topics, but then, uh, have some levy the situation. So yeah. Oh, and Eddie Murphy raw, Eddie Murphy raw is to me, one of the greatest specials of all time. It doesn't really hold up now. There's a couple of jokes in there that wouldn't be acceptable now. Um, uh, free use of the F word, not, not fuck the other one. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that, uh, but that, that one, when I saw Eddie Murphy raw, I was just like, Oh my God. And then you find out the guy sold out Madison square garden when he was 21 years old. I know. Like, and, <laughs> and I was, and I was 21, like, you know, just trying to get on stage o- open mic night. I'm like, damn, that's like, that's incredible. Yeah. And the comedy, you know, and the stand I'm a huge stand up com- uh, comedy fan, and it's changed since that time also a lot. Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, well, I mean, now, here, here's, here's what the difference is. The main difference to me is that back in those days, it, it, if you had a bad set, you just had a bad set, and it didn't work out, and that's okay. You could retool it, try it again, and, you know, go go for the next night. Now, if you have a bad set or if you say a joke that's a little iffy or uh, controversial but it doesn't land, your career could be over. Yeah. Like, someone could be recording you. Someone could write it down. Someone could write a blog with all that they know about stand-up comedy, and then all of a sudden your career is done. Um, like, there's a there's – a famous incident, well, it's famous in the comedy community, where Richard Pryor went on stage at the Hollywood Bowl during a uh, gay and lesbian rights rally at the Hollywood Bowl, and he used, he called them the F word and, like, got mad at him, and he was booed off the stage. And I, I just think, like, you imagine if that happened now? No. If a comedian went on stage at, like in front of eight thousand, nine thousand people, and just got you know bombed and booed off, and you and use homophobic slurs like not in a funny way, but in like a like no, I'm calling you this word because I don't agree with what you do. Um, yeah, their career would be done. And and not that I'm saying I I, I want to go back to a time where I got where someone could use homophobic slurs or racial slurs or whatever, but I'm just saying that. It, it, it's strange now that you can have a bad set and then your career could be done or you can make one bad joke and your career could be done now. Have you ever said a joke on stage that you regret it later on? Uh, not really that I regret, just ones that I look back and go, ugh. <laughs> like that, that was either, either it wasn't funny or I used some language that I shouldn't have used. Uh, but... It's all part of the building process. There, see, the people that don't do stand-up comedy just think that you can that you just create these perfect jokes and and they're and they're and they're done. And what they don't realize is 
a lot of work goes into those jokes where it's a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of figuring out, okay, how do I word this? What's the best punchline to say? Uh, and especially with controversial topics, that needs a lot of trial and error because you have to figure out what, how to, you know, give a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. So like, you, you like that's the hardest part and uh that's what people who have never done stand-up don't realize We're like well well how could you think that that would be funny it's like because it's funny i just have to hash it out like there's a lot of when pe when people say like well you sh- well you should never make a joke about insert topic here it's like no you should but just know it's going to be really hard to make funny but it, 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 but if you can make it funny it's going to be freaking gold it's going to be genius uh, and that's what uh, that that's what a lot of people don't understand is they don't they don't respect the attempt at comedy. Yeah. Have you been heckled before on stage? <laughs> yeah, I was heckled this last weekend. Yeah. How, how do you, uh, how do you handle something like that? Oh, how do you handle a heckler? You, like okay, like for like for instance, right now I'm doing a big rant in my act about how much. I hate emotional support dogs and I hate the people that have them. And I think the people that have them are fakers and they're complainers and they're narcissists and they care more about themselves than other people. And they're, they're, they're fakers. You don't need an emotional support dog. You just want to fly with your dog. That's the thing. So, and these are people that are faking handicaps. And I know people that are actually handicapped that don't have those dogs. So like it, 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 it's a really, it's a not a sore subject for me, but it's a really passionate subject that I have. I, I just, I can't stand people. And I have this whole long rant in my act. And in the middle of it, uh, there was a group of a couple, like 24 year old girls at a table. And one, and one of them yelled out, I have an emotional support dog. Do you hate me? And I just looked at her and went, yeah, <laughs> yes, I do. You're a horrible, you're a horrible human being. And then she paused and goes, it's my birthday today. And I went, Great! I hope you never see another one. <laughs> You're a waste of space. And the the, the audience loved it. Uh, and then she uh, she got she got quiet after that. Um, but yeah, you get heckled all the time, man. It's just part of the business. And in terms of and, and he, but the thing is, is there's a general rule of thumb that I would give to comics, and that you have to respond to the heckler with a, just slightly more force than they gave you. So, and what I mean by that is if someone in the middle of your joke says, hey, fuck you, you can respond with, no, fuck you, and and I hope you get raped by someone with an AIDS dildo. Like, you can do that because they came at you with, with, like, with aggression. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, like, if, but, like, if someone is just kind of laughing at the wrong times or talking in between your jokes or, like, uh if you say a joke and they pause and turn around and go, Oh my God, it's so true. It's so true. You don't respond with, Hey, shut the fuck up. Your parents should die. Like then that's a little, like, yeah. it's like, Whoa, <laughs> that person was liking you. Yeah. So right. That's like, that's like a general rule of thumb. And then sometimes like this happened a few weeks ago, I was in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I know, right. Something bad happened in Florida. Shocking. <laughs> uh, so, my host, the very first comic of the night, she walks out on stage, and she's she's really good. She's really talented, 
But before she even grabs the microphone, some jackass redneck in the front row just yells out, take your shirt off. And I was like, oh, God, okay, here we go. And she's trying to be nice to him and be like, no, it's not how we do that at the comedy club. She makes a couple jokes. And this guy just kept yelling shit at her. And and I couldn't take it anymore. So even, even though I wasn't supposed to go on for another two comics, I walked out on stage, grabbed the microphone from the host, and just, I scolded the man. I was just like, hey, shut the fuck up. Like, n- no one cares about you. You're not helping. You're actually an asshole. Every single person in this room hates you for good goddamn reason. Now, this, now this, now, now this comedian is really talented. She's funny as hell. And, and if you could pull your head out of your own ass for two seconds, you, you would realize that. So do me a favor. Shut the fuck up and enjoy the show or, or else get out and walk into traffic. Nobody's going to miss you. <laughs> and, I did, and I did that. And, like, the whole audience cheered. And the guy shut the fuck up for the rest of the show. He just needed to be scolded because when I did that, he he acted like his mom just caught him stealing. Like it, like it was this weird reaction that, you, but you know that no one's talked to him like that in a long ass time. So uh, he 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 shut up after that. So there's an art to dealing with hecklers. Like, um, it, it, you know, it, it's not you, you. People say like, oh, do you have like stock lines you that you write for hecklers? And I go, not really. Because the best way to take out a heckler is to is to use what they said against them. So I'll talk to hecklers and wait for them to fuck up because they always will because they're not used to talking in front of an audience. They don't have a routine. I do. And I've been doing this for 15 years. So I'm pretty good at it by now. Uh, so, yeah, like it's it, I just I just take each heckler as an, as an individual case and then just and then just use their momentum against them. I don't like to throw people out. I'll try really hard not to throw people out, but sometimes I do just because if you've slammed somebody four times and they still yell and interrupt your jokes, it's like, okay, now I either throw you out or we stop the show because there's no show right now because you're just yelling. So especially when you get to that point. Yeah, especially when you have fans that paid a ticket to come and see you and, you know, the ass clown yeah. in the front row is causing problems. Yeah, that that and that's what and that's what you always that's what you always have to think about is there there's some people in that audience that they got a babysitter. They put on their best clothes. They came out. They this is the first time they've been out in weeks and this is their night and if some uh if some ass hat in the front row wants to ruin that night for them, that's not okay by me. So I'm going to make sure that the ass hat is removed, and then uh, the the good people that paid their money to have a good time can have can have a good time. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, tell the listeners how do you come up with your material, and like what uh, and, and what your act is about. Yeah, well, uh, here's how I write jokes. Step one: be a dwarf. Step two: wait, <laughs> <laughs> and just funny funny shit's gonna happen to you, man. Like yeah. it, it, it's nothing that I can really control. Um, but I write on stage. Uh, I I kind of go on stage with an idea, and then hash it out on stage. Now, now don't get me wrong. Once it's hashed out, then I I have that joke that I can repeat. You know, it's not. I don't improvise the entire set. But um, yeah. So it, it, like, I'm jealous of the guys that can sit down and just write a joke and just be like, okay, I'm gonna write a joke. I have my blank piece of paper. 
I'm going to write a joke and create from nothing. I can't do that. I have to have an experience or a thing that happens. Like um, the most recent joke in my act is, uh, uh, so there's this company that sells erectile dysfunction medication, and they've been running commercials during football games and during the World Series, and the commercial starts off, uh, I, I was watching football with my buddy Ozzy, and the commercial starts off, just pops on your screen and goes, did you know that 50% of men suffer from erectile dysfunction? And it's just me and my buddy Ozzy in the room watching. And it says 50% of men suffer from ED. So now, like, Ozzy and I look at each other like, all right, well, one of us has to get a boner right now to prove we're not the guy. So, yeah. like, and, and, that's, and that's just the situation that happened to where I'm able to, like, because I don't think that comedians lead funnier lives than other people. We're just better at taking whatever the situation is and and telling that story and identifying it and pointing it out to the and putting it out to the audience. We all have crazy stuff that happens to us and we all have weird observations and thoughts. Uh, comedians are just a little better in terms of hashing it out and putting it to that comedic filter yeah. where it can be related where it can be relatable to the rest of the audience. So you said that you've traveled all over the world and over the country touring. And I mean, I looked at your schedule the other night and you're booked for like, looks like you're booked till next year sometime. Yeah. Every uh, weekend. Late in, yeah. Late in 2019. I think, I, I yeah. think I'm going to have a week off. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like a worst place you ever performed that you're like, you know what? I'm not coming back here. Yeah. Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and not to say that there's no good people in Louisiana. I've, I've been I've been back to the state, uh, but yeah, Shreveport didn't have a good time there. Um, and this is literally uh, what I had to do. And pe people don't believe that I did this, but I had to say my joke on stage, and then say why the joke was funny. And when I would explain why the joke was funny, that got a laugh. So. <laughs> They didn't get the joke initially, and then I was like, no, this is funny because of such and such, such and such. And they'd be like, oh, right, yeah, yeah, that's funny as fuck, man. And then, and, and then they would laugh. And, like, that just blew my mind. And, that, and you see things in Shreveport, Louisiana that I didn't know existed. Like, um, what was it? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, so I went to a sports bar on a Sunday for the Sunday show to watch – just to watch football during the day. And a guy walked into the, the Buffalo Wild Wings with uh, no shirt, uh, no shoes, wearing overalls, and holding a fishing pole. <laughs> and I, I just thought, yeah, I, 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 I can go. Because, like, like, the guy thought maybe in order to go to a, sport, uh, to go to a sports bar, he, he has to bring a piece of sporting equipment like I don't know why you did that, but yeah, that, that's the kind of people that were around Shreveport, Louisiana. So I was just like, I'm good. I don't need to. Yeah. I don't. Need, I don't need to come back here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite place that you enjoy going to all the time? Denver, Colorado, and I'm going next week. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that city. It's one of the best comedy cities in the country. That and just the city's fun. There's tons of great stuff to do and see and experience around that city. So yeah, Denver, Colorado, but. Yeah. There's a lot of great comedy towns, and there's some that some that you expect, you know, your Chicago's, your New York's, your Seattle's, and stuff like that. But then you, then every now and then you find a really great city that no one expects, that no one would expect to be fun, like 
uh, Rochester, New York, or Columbus, Ohio, or, you know, like, or I've been to Alaska uh, a few times, and it's always great. Like, that, that's what, that, those are the, those are the towns I love, where I, I go to those cities where people aren't expecting um, to really have, to, to, for there to be that good comedy club, or uh, for there to be a good audience, and they're just, they just are. It's really awesome. Last year, you were up near me, and I wanted to come to your show, and my brother, my brother's bachelor party was that weekend, so I had to go away. And it was a, uh, you came to the Hartford Funny Bone. Do you remember? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. How was Hartford. how was your time at that? Oh, I'm well. It, it, it's it's fun. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, an incident happened at that gig. I remember that weekend for this reason. Um, during my run there, one of the shows, the Hartford Funny Bone, we had a blackout in the mall, and like the clubs that like it was during my show and all of a sudden everything went dark and the club was like, all right, well, we'll get you out of here and we'll, you know, we'll get people, we'll give you their money back. And I went, no, we're going to keep doing the show. So I had people in the audience use their cell phone lights and like spotlight me. And then I just yelled the rest of my show <laughs> without a microphone. And I gave them the full show. And uh, it was awesome. It was a memorable experience. It was it was just something that I'll probably never forget. And uh, yeah, so that happened that weekend. So that means you're in the Boston area. I'm in. Uh, I'm near Hartford, about forty minutes. I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm coming. I'm I'm coming to Boston. Um, t- uh, t- uh, tickets just went on sale for my show at the Wilbur Theater. Uh, so go to my website, bradwilliamscomedy.com or go to the Wilbur theater website and, uh, come see me in Boston. I'm, 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 I'm also coming to different parts of, uh, uh, different parts of Connecticut. Yeah. I saw that. So, uh, Foxwoods, I think I saw, or no, uh, no, you're going to yeah. be at comics in Mohegan. I think that's what yeah. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. Comics at Mohegan sun. And then I'm also going to the Newton theater. I'm not sure. I think that's in Newton, New Jersey or something. Uh, but that's in the area as well. So yeah, I got I got a few gigs like that coming up. So yeah. if you're in the New England area, I am I am doing stuff in 2019. Just go, go just go to my website and uh, you'll see when I'm coming to a city near you. And if I'm not coming to a city near you, uh, wait. I'll be I'll be there in six months. Like I I, I, I tour like a goddamn madman. So <laughs> I know uh, I saw that I, I told you I saw that on the schedule. I was like this guy does not take a break. No, and like I said, they don't pay me to stay home, so I'll just. <laughs> yeah. And plus, it's a really fun job. It's a really fun job to do, so I really don't mind it. Yeah. And uh, I I like seeing different parts of the country. And uh, now there's a big thing about like uh, people on the coast don't like people in the Midwest and in the South and in the like. Every, everyone, all these sections are hating each other. I've been to all these sections. They're all good people. They're all they're all they're all fantastic people. Uh, and when you, I, I don't want to be living in a bubble. I want to be out there experiencing like the lives of everyone. Like I go to Erie, Pennsylvania and that's a fun as hell gig. So <laughs> like it, I don't, I want to go to all, I want to go to all the red states, all the blue states, all the states. Fun. So I was telling you earlier, but one of my favorite podcasts is your podcast with Adam Ray about last night. I mean, you guys, yeah. you guys have some great interviews. You're in the top 200 in the comedy section. How did you guys start that podcast? Uh, well, Adam and I went to college together. Uh, we went to USC and we were all 
we were like there there was five people at USC like doing stand up comedy and so we all kind of found each other and we all sort of hung out and I've just been friends with them for a long time. So then when sort of the podcast boom started happening a few years ago, uh, I think we started four or five years ago. Um I I decided well I I'd love to hang out with one, with one of my best friends and that's that's what I'd like to do so uh, yeah that that that's what I did I just we we just got together and started having great guests on and man we've had some great guests we've had like Melissa McCarthy Susan Sarandon Bob Saget Chris D'Elia Neil Patrick Harris like it just the list goes on and on and on in terms of. Who, who we've had on this damn thing and uh it's really awesome it, 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 it's a really fun thing to do and uh it, it's a really fun thing to get to experience with uh with uh, one of your best buddies yeah who do you uh who do you think has been your favorite interview on the podcast oh man or do you have, uh, do you have so, so many. many that you can't pick yeah uh jim jeffries was great uh pete holmes was awesome uh, Karen Killam from SNL was amazing. Uh, yeah, just they're, 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 Bert, Bert Kreischer is one of our best. Um, yeah, they're, they're, there's just there's just so fucking many, and it's and it's always a good time. We always find a way to uh, to uh, really talk to our 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 favorite thing to hear on a podcast is that some. Uh, and, and that someone who who interviews us just stops for a second and goes, "Oh, I've never told this story before." That's our favorite thing to hear on the podcast, just to hear just to hear original stories and stuff like that. So, yeah. yeah. And you've been on yeah, and you've been on other people's podcasts like uh, Jay Moore. That's another one of my favorite ones out there. Like, do you enjoy yeah. going? Which one's like one of your favorites to go on all the time? Yeah, uh, Burt Kreischer's, Jay Moore, Joe Rogan. Um, I, I love going on the Adam Carolla podcast just because I don't really have to talk. Uh, <laughs> he, he does everything. He does all. He does all the work. And he like, I, he and likes I to talk. Come yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, and I and I can just come in with some jokes every now and then. Uh, but yeah, there, there, there's a lot of great podcasts, and I I really love the fact that we're living in this time now where pe- where people can kind of. Like you, you don't have to listen to Chuck and Fuck in the morning just because they're in your town. Like you can listen to great podcasts and great interviews and great things that are just being provided out there. So yeah, I I love that this is that this is where we're living now. Do you have any plans for 2019 for any new specials? Uh, well, just continue to tour like a damn madman. Um, it depends on how this current special does with the degenerates on Netflix, but. So far, so good, and it looks like we'll be doing some more work together. I can't be too specific about that right now. Um, and then I'm appearing on a bunch of different TV shows in 2019. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on uh, ABC's Tell the Truth. I'm going to be doing a rap battle on uh, Drop the Mic on TBS. There's a show on E! called The Funny Dance Show that I'm going to be on. So, yeah, uh, so there, I'm going to be all over the place. <laughs> And uh, lastly, how can the listeners uh, find you on social media? Yeah, just go on to Twitter at FunnyBrad, uh, Instagram at Brad Williams Comic, uh, Facebook. But uh, the main thing is to go to my website. Go to BradWilliamsComedy.com, and there you can get all the links to all the different social media sites. And you can look at my tour schedule and see when I'm coming to a town near you and see when you can have the best story out of all of your friends. 
and that's uh, uh you're 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 gonna have a dwarf tell you jokes <laughs> all right brad this was fun thanks for coming on no worries thank you so much for having me and uh good luck to you and your podcast in the future thank you